This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Welcome to the Rainbow Report. News, opinion, current affairs for the Rainbow community from Joy 94.9. Australia's only full-time gay and lesbian radio station. Gay and lesbian radio station. And now your host, Doug Pollard. Doug Pollard. News and interviews, Joy 94.9. Well, thanks, Chris and Cam, for the Drive Factory. Good evening, and welcome to the Rainbow Report on fantasy and escape, because I'm sick of politics. Are you fed up with leakers and protesters and all that important and serious stuff that we always do here? So this week, we're going to kick back a little bit. We're going to explore into the world of sci-fi, gaming, fantasy, and role-play, and how that intersects with gay culture. To help us out, we've got entertainer, proud gay geek, or so he calls himself, sci-fi fan and entertainer Dean Arcuri, game designer Luke Miller, our very own gayby Todd Coleman, and his partner Keza, the organiser of Oz Comic Con, Carissa Avonhaus, and co-host and self-described difficult nerd James Newbery. Uh, my only claim to fame here is that I read sci-fi and I've been a Whovian from episode one. Mm, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? It Doug? was a very Black and white. Black and white. Black and white television. Mm. Yes. You are so old. I know. I know. I had a birthday How? this week. Yes. Yes, you did. You yes. Did. So you can send in your thanks now. I was trying to put the candles on your birthday cake, Doug, and I ran out of space. Yeah, I know. When you Probably. walked in with it, all the, all the fire alarms went off. Yeah, it was very disturbing. Can you, like, I don't know, not get older? Well, can you just buy bigger cakes? Fair point. <laughs> Anyway, uh, is this stuff all just fantasy and escape? Is it a welcoming world for us? Is it a waste of time? What can we learn from all this? Uh, is it just for nerds? Or do lots of other people love it too? Uh, as William Shatner might say, summing it all up, weird or what? And this is your host, Doug Pollard, with co-host James Newbury. Our first guest tonight should be pretty well known to everyone around the scene in Melbourne, whether he's belting out a tune, decked out in a harness and boots, or strolling around a convention, dressed in a lot of green paint and not a lot else. His name is Dean Arcuri. Hello, hello. You've summed me up quite well, haven't you? I've been watching you for a while. Every little corner people could know me from. <laughs> Now you're very you're very much into this. You run your own website. You've got podcasts. How did you get into all this stuff? I've loved comic. It all started with comics. I've loved comics from years ago, and uh, it was reading X Men comics, and I just fell in love with them basically. And that's I think where the my geekiness started to flourish. And there is of course Doctor Who and Star Trek and things like that. And I'm not exactly a wallflower, so I've got no problem with <laughs> with throwing myself out there. <laughs> so what was what was your first love then? You're very first love the x-men comics the x-men comics was my very first love i'm it's funny now because when i come on things like this show and talk about it people want to know what was it that i liked about them and i think at the time it was just i remember being really confused because it was an an iteration of the team where it was all women but they were called the x-men and i remember getting the issue and being completely confused why there were no men on the team and it was just a one issue where the girls uh, were in the australian outback and then they teleported to los angeles and went shopping i know ridiculous and dressed themselves up and, and really when i think about it it was quite a, a flamboyant issue and they made themselves look fabulous and had a night on the town but that was the comic where i fell in love with the x-men <laughs> and what came after the x-men 
After the X Men, I jumped straight into Doctor Who. You, uh, I've, you got, got, I've got, got straight thank, onto the hard stuff. I've got to thank the afternoon show on the ABC <laughs> for having having Doctor Who daily. I mean, I really it was a Sylvester McCoy versus Tom Baker kind of fight because we did get Doctor Who screened ridiculously. Mm. Out of order. Mm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit crazy, but thanks to the key to time, I fell in love with Tom Baker the most. He's, yes. he's my favourite. But yeah, Doctor Who was closely followed. And then I never really got into Star Trek as much with Next Generation. I got why people liked it. I just didn't understand why it was for me. And it wasn't until Deep Space Nine with Star Trek mm. that I really enjoyed it. I think I love the drama and the characterization and the different ways in which different writers or illustrators create things. But it's... It's very noticeable that if you look at Doctor Who and if you look at Star Trek, um, gay characters are a bit thin on the ground, aren't they? Well, it, it's it's interesting the way in which it's been done because in the Star Trek universe, part of the idea of it was the fact that there weren't any gay characters because there wasn't. It's not that there wasn't a need for gay characters, but we'd all been cured. Well, by then. well, not been cured, not at all. It wasn't. It wasn't that kind of an ideology, but it was just we live in a different world where the the idea of putting those characters in there would create conflict and that wasn't the point that the story was trying to make. Now, obviously, when we look at it now, we go, well, if you'd just done it, then it wouldn't have been a problem. And it is... Because they tackled race, didn't they? They had a big thing about getting the race thing right. Plato's Children, one of the most important television episodes of all time. Uhura kisses um, Captain Kirk and... But, Doug, that was very different because... They were under alien control at the time, so it and, wasn't and, voluntary. And this is one of the problems with the way in which Star Trek has handled homosexuality. Uh, there's been uh, like an episode of Deep Space Nine where Dax, who is a trill, who has a worm in her that basically gets passed from person to person. And I think you just lost about nine I know, I know. of the audience. And then anyway. mine, mine lives on, but a character from her past, which was um, the wife of the person who she used to be, showed up and you see a girl and a girl kissing. And, and there was also a great episode of um, Next Generation where they went to an alien race that didn't have a gender. And, and this was an episode that I really loved. Uh, the, the aliens didn't have a gender, so they were male or female, but the ones that predisposed to one gender or another would then be sent to camps to be fixed. Mm. There are lots of actually um, allegories in the Star Trek universe, but I have the most important question ever, Dean. Which Star Wars is the best? Which Star Wars do you mean in the films? In, well, yes. Well, I would I would go with Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Mm, very good choice. It's not going to be anything in the second second. <laughs> no. Well, they don't, they're not real. No, no, they don't exist. They don't exist. I feel like I've dropped into an alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I enjoy sci-fi. I don't get kind of very wrapped up in it, and I certainly don't go out there and paint myself green or anything like that. Um, <laughs> or put on I a do costume only or whatever. But, uh, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy intelligent sci-fi, which is one reason why I like Doctor Who, because it mostly is pretty intelligent sci-fi. Mostly. I, 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 sometimes it's totally stupid, but then again, <laughs> so am I sometimes. Um, I, I also like... Um, reading sci-fi books, which is very old-fashioned of me. Books, books, yes, you know those paper things that you turn no, pages. No, 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 no. The things okay. you look at on your iPad. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, hmm. yeah, you look at them on your iPad now. And I've just been reading one by Ian Banks, for example. Um, Ian Banks is a very well-known sci-fi writer who just died, and um, he created a whole world in which 
uh, everything really to do with living is taken care of by these massive computers and people are just allowed to be themselves. And in that, in that universe, the, 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 the people, um, you know, they're sometimes men and then they can change sex at will and become women or they can be something in between and not particularly sexual at all and they can live forever and, or just become programs in a computer and so on. And I found that a wonderful world to immerse myself in for that very reason. Um, that's what I miss in the kind of mainstream stuff that you're talking about. There's yeah. not that. There's not that playfulness with with things like gender. Well, Doctor Who tries as much as it can, and I, I think it's it's been one of those things where it's down to the producer and the way in which they've done it. Russell T Davies with the new uh, the new introduction of Doctor Who that he's been doing. He obviously is gay and and likes to add gay characters into his work. So he did did seed in great lines and characters and things like Captain Jack having no issue with with whether it's an alien, a man, a woman or anything like that. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. When you do look at it and you kind of just go, oh, I'm really waiting for the day that there's a companion of the Doctors who's gay or a lesbian. <laughs> I think that would be really interesting. I think all of you Whovians are just weird. I, I, <laughs> in reality, the only recent science fiction series that's been worth a pinch of anything, in my opinion has been the Ronald D. Moore reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, where gender truly wasn't an issue. Yeah, which was absolutely brilliant. Mm. And not only that, but it was incredibly dark. Before the first ad break, you have a woman, a gorgeous woman, snapping a baby's neck. Mm. You know, I mean, incredibly dark, phenomenally excellent, story-driven science fiction. And like all of our listeners, I'm not a silent. <laughs> well, it is interesting when you look at it and you think with something like science fiction, there's so much for you to look at and so much for you to try and figure out. And when they're trying to create a show to balance all of these things, is gender or sexuality being thrown into the mix just something that they see, feel like is too much? Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's that at all. I think that in reality, science fiction is a vehicle to address um, in a form of allegory modern issues and I I really don't think that if you're trying to paint a hopeful picture of us getting through the universe like through our troubled times at the moment through climate change and wanting to you know destroy each other through terrorism and consumerism that really the gay thing will be sorted out and that's what I love about Battlestar Galactica and it's reimagining is that there are gay characters in positions of power and it's not an issue. Well, we'll just take a little sort of pause here because we've got a rather interesting message in. James, would you care to read? <clears throat> Sir and Lovies, what comic characters would Mr. Rudd or Mr. Abbott be? Refreshing show this evening with a twist, with a nerdish twist from South Yarra. A nerdish, a nerdish twist. Sounds like a dance craze. It really does. <laughs> Can nerds dance? When you're painted in green, Dean, do you dance? I, I dance everywhere. Are, are you like an Orion slave boy? No, no, no. I was the Hulk. Oh. So I, I bought I bought skinny purple jeans and then obviously cut them and squeezed my big big legs into them and then painted myself green and just ran around going smash. Ugh ugh ugh. Tonight I'm surrounded by geeky nerdiness because we're talking about sci-fi, fantasy, role-play, cosplay, all those kind of things. Mind you, being surrounded by geeky nerdiness is actually nothing new. It's just rather hidden because my technical crew, TJ and Keza, both keen gamers, as is producer James Newbery, whose mm -hmm. online handle is Difficult Nerd. That's true. Uh, and of course, they're all half my age, so uh, they help me understand oh, come on, a quarter your age at least. You're like a thousand. No, wait, less than 
a quarter then. Thank you, Todd. Uh, and they like to, uh, you know, they like to try and teach me to say strange modern phrases um, that I don't really know the meaning of, like bitch be cray cray and so on and so forth. <laughs> My life is now Which complete. tends to make them collapse in laughter, as you just heard. Um, faux shizzle. That makes yeah, me a ringtone. Faux shizzle, and so forth. Um, anyway, we, are, we were ask, asked a question just before the break. Um, what comic characters would Mr. Rudd or Mr. Abbott be? Dean Arcuri is my guest at the moment as well. Dean, you had some ideas on this one. I think Mr. Rudd would be a great mole man from Marvel, and I think Tony Abbott would be a good Severus Snape from Harry Potter. But that's, that's fantasy, not that's that's another genre. Yeah? It, it's well, they're all genres that mix together. No, 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 no. Unless a, you're I'm doing fan purist, fiction, I'm an equal opportunity nerdy slut. Oh, I'm, uh, I've never seen any Harry Potter or even read the books. There you are. I've said it. Damn, dude. I'm saving myself. Yeah, uh, he's 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 into the herd sci-fi, as they say. Todd, mm. oh, I've so got Twilight. a comic pairing. I've got a, I've got a. You, you had some ideas as to who they would be. Yeah, they would totally be Deadpool and Wolverine because of the obvious sexual tension. <laughs> but even, even which I one would be one. which? Well, Kevin Rudd would be Deadpool because, as we've seen lately, he's quite good with knives. Mm-hmm, yes, I, I just thought you'd say that because of the inappropriate talking. Does that as well? <laughs> <laughs> you this have is one no of those idea things. what we're talking no, about. No, I have no, <laughs> no idea what you're talking right. about. I only hope you out there do. Um, and uh, if you'd care to enlighten me, you know how to do, do it. Just send us a message. And if you have a pairing of which comic characters Mr. Rudd and Mr. Abbott would be, please, yeah, do, please SMS us on us 0427 JOY949. Indeed. Uh, and in fact, if do you have, do you do cosplay? Do you dress up and go to things? Do you, um, you know, do you? Are you an anime character in your secret life? You know, you're some big butch bloke during the day, but by night you're Sailor Moon or something like that. Mm. I feel like you're warming up for hide and seek later on tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it feels a bit like that. I I was reading about Comic-Con, and one of the reasons we're doing the show today on this topic is that uh, Oz Comic-Con is on over the weekend. And I was reading there about what's on, and yeah, William Shatner's going to be there, and they're going to show this thing about a robot chicken, and so far I'm with it, and then... There's a screening of My Little Pony in there. Oh, God, the bronies. No, no, no. Where does that fit? Okay, so look, there's this whole thing, Doug, where there are guys my age, yes, in their mid-30s, who are into My Little Pony. And aside from being a little weird, um, but perfectly acceptable, I'm assuming, they they (laughs) look at My Little Pony as an allegory for what it takes to be really good friends in the world. When the My Little Pony movie comes out, it's going to be really interesting because it'll be a cinema full of eight-year-old girls and 30-year-old men. Mm. Are you a Bernie? I'm not. Look, I, I, I get it. I think it's great. Great animation. I think they've reimagined the My Little Ponies in a really, <laughs> really fun and awesome way. Um, is it something I need to watch? No. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just kind of imagining a kind of crossover between... Little brony and you and your leather harnesses and I'll make it work. Dog and pony shows. I just need I just need a nice little mane, some glitter, and a harness. I'll be right. Because <laughs> you could be a you could be a I'm, black I've leather got that line around my leather pony, my leather pony. <laughs> oh, Doug, God. I've just had a very disturbing note here. Um, yes. Apparently, the bronies also imagine themselves 
having relations with the ponies. Oh, yeah, that's like oh, their main wow. thing. That's why they watch. Friendship relations? The purple one's kind of hot, I'll admit it, but I won't. No, I can't. <laughs> no. I just can't. <laughs> no. And well, look, the note the note doesn't go into detail, but it's a little disturbing <laughs> if that's... If you're a brony, you can um, email us at onair at joy.org.au and let us know. Please Do don't you... email us pictures. Just don't. No, no, no. Just don't. no we're, not, we're not interested mm. in the in the movies, but just, <laughs> just tell us you know, a few words. Oh, and of course, there's Rule 34. Rule 34 of the internet is mm-hmm. if it exists there is porn of it oh and there is for everything oh I'm yeah. sure there is now look I, I, I mentioned cosplay earlier on um, you know I see these people dressed up as various characters and sometimes not even as characters but just as animals oh um, the furries you know turning <gasps> I love up the at these furries things. or just people is, in onesies is, is that a sex thing no. No. Well, like- it might be for some, actually. It's not for me. I can only speak for myself and I can't speak for other people. I have onesies and I, I have done shows in them and it's lots of fun and I feel a bit <laughs> ridiculous. But for me, but it's not a But they're baby romper suits. You know, some, they're- well, but they're, they're fun and they're cute and, and some people just like to wear it and it makes them feel a part of something. Because, I mean, J- James wears these bizarre hats, which are... Leave my hats out of this. They're wonderful. Kez I wears them too. I do not have animal, an understanding. Animal heads and angry bird heads. Yes, okay. I wear plush animal hats. Okay, there it is. Fine, we've broadcasted it. Okay? <laughs> it's a Melbourne winter. You've got to be prepared for everything. Exactly. And I don't like it when my ears are showing. And he, and he is a Queenslander, so he needs to keep his ears warm. <laughs> you know, he complains about it being cold, Annie. I, I really don't... I really don't get all of this. You know, as I say, yeah, reading the books, yeah, watching the movies and that, but sort of going into it, mm, that's another thing. Uh, a couple of messages, James? Yeah, we've had a message from Nathan. He's said that his mother never discouraged him from wearing Wonder Woman costumes, but she was relieved when he moved on to He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all... I always thought Skeletor was more my sort of thing. I liked that he was a little bit, you know... I could relate to him more. You could relate to Skeletor more than you could to He-Man. Well, He-Man was all, I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to be, you know, save the day. Whereas Skeletor just wanted to make things interesting. Okay, that's And, you know, enslave the world. Yeah. Oh, I'm that. And had an annoying voice. Well, yeah. And so, you know, what are you going to do? Like, really, just seeing the parallels, right? That's you all over. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Anyhow, we've also had a thank you from our friend in South Yarra for explaining who we think... um, Kevin Rudd and Mr. Tony Abbott would be in the comic universe. Did yeah. he give us his suggestion? No. No, no, he just wanted ours. Which I think he should message him with his. I yeah. think I agree with you. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, I, I, I wanted to sort of steer the discussion in a slightly different direction for good a moment or two. <laughs> yes, good luck with you lots, mate. Uh, but um, one of the things I've been reading about, um, you know, in the mainstream press about, for example, the gaming world, which is what I wanted to look at was that in many respects, you, you look at the, the illustrations, you look at some of the play that's built into there. It's not very nice to women. It's very stereotypical visions of women. You know, it's busty babes in tiny, mm. in tiny Don't shorts. Don't women go within, around dressed like a World of Warcraft character? Well, you know, with impossible boobs and so on and so forth. Um, and, Kez and, is wearing one now. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, yes, that bustier really suits you. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Re, re, remake of uh, what, Lara Croft, probably. The um, and and it's not a very welcoming place for gays. I understand in, no. in lots of the games. It, 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 it I, really oh. it really depends. Some people feel that that's so gay and that kind of casual homophobia isn't actually homophobia because it's just the way kids speak. And I I can see where they're coming from that it's not actually directed at that kind of gay. But frankly, I think that's just so. 
not creative. <laughs> Would it be good to have, have gay characters in video games that are more than just a joke or more than just a stereotypical perception of something? Yes. They're happening. It, they are happening. It is something that takes a little bit of time. But I think what's also interesting, there are some games that give you the option whether um, the character sleeps with a man or sleeps with a woman. And I find the number of my gay friends who are like, yeah, and then did it and got bored. But I find it really interesting. A lot of my straight friends go, yeah, let's do it because it's fun and funny. And it's a different thing to explore. Mm. So, you, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to think about this. And the majority of people playing it are guys. And from a marketing point of view, we get forgotten. And Actually, they're, they're, that's they're, not they're true. They're guys. Oh no! No, Older. no, 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 no. The they're all boring um, old farts like me getting away from reality. No, you're all completely wrong. The number one demographic for video gamers in Australia is, is it soccer mums? Thirty-four-year-old women. Damn, I was right. By thirty-five percent of the market are women in their thirties playing things like PlayStation. My best friend's wife, for example, left me for dead in Left for Dead. <laughs> I see what you did there. This is the thing that that's so impressive. Stay-at-home mums are playing insane amounts of video games, and oh, are they playing as women or are they playing as men? Do they playing, hide? They don't care. Do they hide behind male identities? The majority life? of protagonists are men. It's it's hard to find a game with a strong female protagonist, and when you do, they don't particularly sell well. Lara Croft. Other than Lara Croft, <laughs> name another one. <laughs> Lara Croft. From a, Other, from a percentage point of view. Well, Mass Ke- Effect. Ke- Keza is sitting in here today. She's actually running the panel this evening. Thank you very much, Keza. So Todd can talk a bit Yay more than me. usual. And um, she's not very impressed with the um, world for, for women that exists within games. She's telling me that it's not a very welcoming place for women. No, actually, we, we, um, we often play Xbox together. We all each have headsets. And when she speaks on her headset, she gets uh, hit on by guys a lot and there's a lot of sexist comments and it's like she's just an incredibly rare being that shouldn't be there well <laughs> in fairness a lot of these these boys have never actually seen a real live woman a lot of them have slept with my mum oddly enough oh really mm, indeed your mum seems to get around it seems. she does yeah. if, you, if you're on the xbox live yeah, world yeah yeah hmm. um so I feel like I stepped into a whole subculture. Right? <laughs> Nothing I'm not about. Big, I'm yeah. not big on gaming either. I understand what they're saying, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one, Dave. Gaming is a really important expression. You get to live other lives. You get to experience. You get to put yourself in the first person. You get to control armies and save the world or destroy it relentlessly. Yeah, I know. A friend of mine loves playing this thing where you build up empires. You start by building a city and putting in the sewage, and it goes from there, kind of. Thing. But I bet you, Dean, would love. Sing Star and Just Dance. There is something for everybody. They drive me crazy. <laughs> Why? Because no one can sing except for you. Because the music is not done in a way that's actually proportionate to singing it well. Um, I'm I'm all about seeing the song properly, not screaming into a microphone. I, I'm a Mario Brothers Mario Kart type of fan. So yeah. I mean, I, I get the live live game things. My ex housemate used to play constantly, and we would all just sit there and watch him playing. And I think it's absolutely fun and fantastic, and enjoy it. My problem is. I barely have the time to do what I do as it is right now. How do I fit in? You know, I can't do gaming for five minutes a day. It's something you've got to actually commit to. Yeah, people get onto these things for insane amounts of time, don't they? I mean, you've got instances in Japan of guys sort of, you know, dying of dehydration because they played three days straight. I, I did play Tetris for three days straight once. That's a lie. I don't believe that for a second. It's true. Prove it. Well, I was 13 and I was... I did stop. No, that's true. It was highly addictive. 
I was highly addictive. Tetris, really? Oh, yeah. Highly addictive. Oh, Went, yeah. You, need, you really need to get out. Not now. If Tetris came out now, it would be on an iPhone and it would be gone within three months. I challenge you to a Tetris throwdown. You will Deal. Be- Deal. Deal. <laughs> a, a gentleman's agreement. All right, Huzzah. they shook on this. We'll have to report back on how it went out. Before we go to another little break, James, I'd just like you to read this message that's come in. Okay, so uh, we've had a question concerning Bronnie's. With the utmost respect, what is the psychological analysis that people resort to when they have this kind of hobby? Which is a very interesting question, and it's one we will explore with my next guest, who's actually a gay gamer who's written a gay game. A gay game. Dun, a gay dun, dun. game, yes, mm. um, with, a, with, a, with a pants optional um, section in it as well. It's great. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy94.9. Support Joy94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Yeah, and this is your host, Doug Pollard. With me in the studio, James Newbury. And the man who usually sits on the other side of the panel, Todd, TJ. It is so weird over here. I'm not comfortable. (laughs) We need you, TJ. And and Keza is panelling for us this evening uh, for the first time in quite a long time. Uh, We also have some more messages in, I think. We do indeed. Hi, Doug and friends. Like Dean, my first sci-fi love was the X-Men. Among the fierce superpowers and fabulous outfits, it was the first issue of the stigma experience people feel when they are born differently. It was explored. Prior to that, superheroes had acquired powers or were aliens. It was all a bit gay. Christian from the Vixen Hour. <laughs> well, yeah, I've heard that story before, that you could you could read the kind of the, the, the mutants as being, you know, uh, analogues for gayness, outsiders, uh, people a bit different and that people were a bit afraid of. I've come across that before. I, d- I don't know whether I like being compared to a mutant, but uh, it'll do in lieu of anything else. Now, our next guest this evening uh, is a gay man, and he's a game player, but he's taken it one stage further and actually ridden a game because, Luke Miller, you didn't find the gaming world gay enough. Correct. Well, is anything... Re- oh, is it a... Yep. Uh, nothing's really gay enough in my mind, so <laughs> why not computer games? Hmm. So, but did you find... Did you play a lot of computer games, you know, before oh, yeah, you I had decided full, to write the full one? childhood, the... To, well, to give my age, is like the Mega Drive, the whole GameCube years, <laughs> so... Wow. Yep. A Mega Drive, TJ, was it? <laughs> I know what a Mega Drive was. Okay, well, just checking. <laughs> um, and PC games, I guess, yep. Yeah, P- PC-based games. I mean, the, the last time I played a PC-based game, it was very strange because I didn't have a mouse and it was all done with the keyboard because mice hadn't been invented yet. WASD is the only way to game. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was, that was strange because the whole thing was point of view through a helmet. And things kept attacking you from behind and above, and how you're supposed to know they're coming, you know. So, you listen. So I thought it was silly and didn't play it again. See, so you're wrong. Mm. You're just wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> you're not doing it right now. You're wrong. Well, this is a long time ago now. Obviously, you know, probably even before your your uh, foray, first foray into gaming, Luke. Um, we've been hearing that it's it's not that welcoming a place in the larger gaming world for, for gay people but you can choose to be a gay character i.e. you can choose to interact in a lot of games yep that, mm. that's relatively new though isn't it well yeah absolutely so I guess like many art forms gay people or queer voices were kind of absent for a very long time but there's been a fragmentation I guess and a lot more voices coming through and how's very that, healthy how's that been received by the mainstream gamers well it's weird because uh, I guess the people in the industry are very pro pro it you know mm-hmm. they love it everybody loves diversity really 
people with half a brain do, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it's still a very conservative industry, I guess, very socially conservative, but also, I guess, um, the stories it tells can be very conservative too. So, Well, uh, we were talking earlier on about how all the women seem to be terribly stereotyped, you know, long leg, big, busted, tiny-waisted, not a lot of brain, with a few exceptions, like Lara Croft. But am I... Because they've really recently reinvented Lara Croft. They have. And there was a big thing going around about, oh, look at the new model compared to the original Lara Croft model and how much more realistic it is. She, and could, she could now walk I, around without falling over. <laughs> but I still don't really think so. I, she's still incredibly barbie-esque yes, yes. and I'm like am I taking crazy pills on this that <laughs> yes, people go oh it's such a massive leap forward I'm it like, is a huge leap forward Lara Croft well. is what every girl should emulate to be firstly she's an excellent shot secondly she can like do massive swan dives off everything and more importantly than that she is awesome have you got the latest Tomb Raider game no <laughs> then you have no opinion on this subject be quiet <laughs> okay. Todd Todd yeah you're more on the consumer end of this, but you're an unusual consumer in that you've been exposed to diversity from a very early age. I'd I think say that's can, a fair assessment. <laughs> that is safe to say. Um, but your fellow gamers, young guys your sort of age, uh, how have they taken to having gay characters suddenly popping up in their games? Doug, I think they appreciate it. I mean, a, a very popular franchise would be the GTA series, and uh, number mm. four has been out for quite a while, and its most popular expansion pack or DLC, depending on who you speak to, is the Ballad of Gay Tony, mm. which is, while you're not playing a gay character, you're working for a gay character, and reviews don't seem to be homophobic, they seem to be in praise of the story, so I think it's coming a long way, not there yet, it's but it's getting there. It's very important as well to put in that gay Tony is not stereotypical. He is a gangster who is running um, San Andreas? No, he's running two nightclubs. Two nightclubs. Yep. Yeah, and the idea is that he wants to increase his power base and become more wealthy. And That's essentially it. Yeah. 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 But um, instead of people not buying the game because, oh, it's gay, Tony, blah, blah, family's saying, you know, um, it's a violent game, let's let our kids have that, but, you know, gay character, let's not have that. People are embracing it. Yeah, they don't seem to mind very much about the, about the violence, do they, Luke? There's so much violence in it's, these games. Having made one, it's really weird that there's all these different communities overlap. Like, we talk about gamers, mm -hmm. but it is as fragmented community as anything you'll ever encounter. And Easily. while you're in your stream, things, things are fine, but then every so often something will cross into another stream and just get torn down. So, you know, a lot of people who are fine with The Ballad of Gay Tony... Then all of a sudden, they'll end. They'll cross into like animal leaf territory, and they'll be like, "Oh, this game is a gay piece of shit," and it's just this kind of. <laughs> We're a fickle bunch, yeah, I think. It's is fickle, the, yeah, yeah. It's just when people get people are very set at the moment, and when they get challenged, that's when the issues arrive. It's it's very odd. I so. think as well, mainstream games like a first-person shooter has an average price tag in the vicinity of a low-budget Hollywood blockbuster. So, a game like. Um, the Ballad of Gay Tony is an expansion pack for a game that cost somewhere in the order of $50 million to make. Mm. I can understand why these corporates who are throwing huge sums of money at a very immature industry, which has incredibly difficult um, economics behind it, and just like films, more games flop than succeed. Mm. I can understand why these stories aren't driving the plot. I can, I can see where James is coming from completely, and I agree. The um, the only franchises you see with um, gay creeping in are the ones that are established. GTA, like I said, Mass Effect, uh, probably one of, if not the largest sci-fi franchise at the moment, where you can choose to have a, a gay relationship in the third game. 
not a main Skyrim. part of the story. You can completely skip it. Exactly. All in well-established franchises. Mm. Yeah, so they've, so they've got to build their base first. Well, it's interesting. And then oh, kind yeah. of sort of add on the little branches for all the well, extra customers. So unlike movies or books, computer games are very interactive. So mm -hmm. there's a sort of you get to pick and choose a bit. And so... Often when you approach it, we, we sometimes go, oh, there are gay people in it or there aren't gay people in it. But in computer games, you can have gay content and straight people can completely avoid it. it. And Because yeah. a lot of people are quite surprised in uh, Skyrim that there's, uh, you know, same-sex relationships in it. Because yeah. unless you go looking for it, you don't find it. So... It's healthy in and, one way, but in, in another way, not In some ways, it's kind of like it. a very good market research tool then because you can figure out, you know, how many people are, are, are sort of going into the gay stuff and how many people are not. Um, let's move on now to what you did, which is you, you, you got a little bored with this whole thing and you created this game, which is, <laughs> which is called My Ex-Boyfriend Space Tyrant. Awesome. <laughs> That's right. Which Thank is you. a holy gay game. And based on yes. real world experience as I understand it. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not oh. at all. I do have an ex who does not, not, get the question a lot. Not even allegorically. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, he can play it up if he wants, but I don't, you know, he, he comes to me every so often and goes, people always ask me, Luke. So tell me, what is, what is this game about? Oh, so it's uh, just a gay science fiction adventure game. So it's a bit old school, like LucasArts is the sort of the genre from the late 90s, point-and-click adventure. And so you just play a main character called Tycho Minogue. It's a bit camp, the game. It's a bit Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is an inspiration. <laughs> and and you, you're a retired captain and you get dragged back into it because there's an unstoppable force and it turns out your ex-boyfriend is the commander of this force. And so the, the humans are kind of hoping that you'll be the one to, to stop it. So Oh, I see. So mm. there's a, you, you, you can employ your backstory, so to speak, in order to... Yep. Yep. Um, a, a different angle of attack from the, the, the full frontal, if I may use yes, the expression. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Although yeah. I gather there's some full frontal attack in there as well. Uh, no, it's not pornographic or anything. So. No, but it's very, it's very sexy though, isn't it? In, yeah. In, in its cartoony way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a bit are you being served in space. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I notice some characters seem to be wandering around their underwear rather a lot. That's, that's, that's a kind of yes. option on the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it is, there's, a, there's a lot of levels to it, I guess, and one of the levels is a bit of titillation. So <laughs> I'm not going to shy away from that. So you know, But a lot of people do... It's quite weird because they're no more undressed than the female characters in computer no. games. Like That's if you look at Kerrigan from StarCraft 2 is mm. the one I always go back to because I love that game. Well, yeah. she's virtually nude, isn't she? And she has spine high heels, like well, her exoskeleton. All we all have spine high yep. heels yep. from time to time. Mm. I don't judge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's <laughs> so like that. So how successful has it been? I mean, is it a popular game? Has it broken out of a gay niche? And does it have straight players? Who well, it's paying the rent. I thought I'd have to go back to work in March, but I'm still well, that's kicking not along. And, yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. That's so. not too bad at all. And you, you made this game independently, didn't you? That's right. So you had complete control over the story, the art. The whole box. For better or worse. For yes. better or worse. Yes. Do you feel that you would have liked a, an editor in some places? and Or did you think that that Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of things that... It's a learning process, like anything, really. Uh, what well, would you do yeah. differently if you were starting from a blank page today? Well, a lot of the stuff with Space Tyrant is it's very visually gay. Mm -hmm. But sort of midway through it, you do start to ask yourself big questions like, what does it actually mean to be a gay game? What does it mean to be a science fiction game? So, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you're obviously not going to be selling out to uh, Microsoft anytime soon. To uh, I'm more of a Linux person. <laughs> <laughs> BSD we, is the way to go. And there we there we go with the nerd joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said earlier, the reason we're talking about all this at the moment is that uh, happening at the weekend, we have got Oz Comic Con, um, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, one of those things where people get dressed up and go and do these funny things and meet famous people and um, I'm sure in fact uh, Todd is going to be doing that Luke where can we get my ex-boyfriend is a space tyrant uh, you can google it I think there'll be a link on uh, yeah I've put a link up to yep. uh, that and to everything else we're talking about this evening on the Rainbow Report page on the Joy website Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll find a link in there, and uh, there's a nice little article to explaining all about the game, a little interview with Luke here, mm. um, and even a, a little bit of a shot or two of the game itself, so you can click through to that and, and have a good look. Okay, well, we've now managed to track down Carissa Avonhaus, or Avonhaus, I'll get that right, I'll ask her in a moment. She's one of the organisers of Oz Comic Con, and she joins us on the line now. Good evening, Carissa. Hi. How are you? Um, very well, thank you. Um, apparently, we've been chasing you all around the corridors of the hotel, but we've finally oh, managed to... Preparation for an event is always like running around with a chocolate uh, Well, I imagine it is for something like this. Um, what have you got for us this time in Melbourne? What biggies have you got? Uh, we have the always awesome William Shatner, who is known to many as Denny Crane from Boston Legal, but to most as Captain <laughs> Kirk from Star Trek. And, and TJ Hooker. Do not forget TJ oh, Hooker. please, I've been trying to forget TJ Hooker for years. <gasps> Heather Locklear. <laughs> <laughs> we also have uh, Patricia Quinn and Nell Campbell from Rocky Horror Picture Show, which has and always has had a massive and loyal following and in Melbourne. And Dragonfire, the 1987 Doctor Who serial. Yes. Um, and we have Ron Perlman, who... For any film buff, is one of the quintessential iconic guests. He's been in over 260 different projects. Hellboy. I was going to say, I remember him from Hellboy. I I didn't know what else he'd done. Oh, (laughs) you name it, he's been in it. But most recently, he is one of the main protagonists from Sons of Anarchy, Clay Morrow, which is an absolutely brilliant series. Todd, you want to go to this conference, don't you? The reason I want to go is because I'm a huge fan of Scrubs and the Todd is going to be there and I can high-five him. Yes. He's actually going to be there in his scrub. Well, can I high-five him? Is that, is that normal? He's high-fiving everybody. He was high-fiving people as he arrived. Oh, dude, I'm totally going to be there. <laughs> so keep, keep a look out for Todd. <laughs> He'll be the one burrowing his way to the front of the crowd. It'll be Todd <laughs> and the Todd. I just, I can't, I can't. It's too much. <laughs> Some people have very, um, you know... Doug, we've lost a technical charming, producer. Char- and char- charming ambitions. Oh, we've got a message, Doug. <laughs> There's always something for everybody at these things. uh, I need to ask a question. I was at uh, Oz Comic Con in Melbourne last year and there was a bit of a problem with capacity. Has that been resolved for this year? Well, you know, it's just like anything. You build it and they come, but you just don't know how many. Some days you go to Disneyland and nobody's there and sometimes you go to Disneyland and you have to wait two hours to get on a ride. You just don't know what Melbourne's expectation and response would be. I mean, we're absolutely flooded, but we catered for 35,000. We got 40,000 through and we had to turn away some. It's just what happens, unfortunately. Which which city is the one that's most enthusiastic for Comic-Con? Uh, it's still... Well, 
until this weekend. We're not too sure what it will be like, but we're expecting huge numbers if there are um, enthusiasm is anything to go by. But Adelaide and Perth have been very large also. Uh, it was 27,000 and 25,000 respectively. Which as a percentage of the population is actually quite large in those two places. In those it? two places it is. So you've got 30-odd thousand here. You're expecting, what, 35,000, 40,000 this time out again? Yes, we are. We have a much bigger venue. Um, okay. We've actually built special marquees outside the venue to make sure we can house as many people as possible. <laughs> Todd, I think you might manage to get in this time. Well, Kez and I last year, we missed out on getting tickets um, on the Saturday. So we stayed in the city all night and we were at uh, the uh, Melbourne Exhibition Centre from about 3 a.m. onwards. <laughs> it was a fun experience, no doubt, but it, it'd be nice to have a slightly bigger venue. What, what are you going as? Myself. <laughs> I can't well, he needs to cosplay. get a photo with the Todd. I could probably go as Tintin. I've been told to have a, a striking resemblance. Well, but I suppose you could, yes, if you bleached your hair. And became a little bit more racist, but no. Uh, I'm not no. What about Keza? What would Keza go as? Oh, she, can she go as Lara Croft? No, she says. Her firmly. boobs aren't triangular enough. <laughs> that can easily be overcome. <laughs> I'm quite sure. I'm sure John Paul Gaultier has a device for that. Oh, I'm sure. Carissa. I'm sure a bit of duct tape and some... Um, some of the, what, what do they call it? Hollywood, Hollywood tape? That, that, that holds anything up, I understand. Mm. So what are you going as, Carissa? Me. <laughs> Is anybody... in the office behind the scenes. <laughs> so you're not going to go as an Orion slave girl or anything uh, amazing? No, as much as I would love to, I think the most themed you will see is the particular fan T-shirt I'm wearing, which will be Sons of Anarchy one day and Hellboy's uh, Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defence the next. Carissa, I, I was discussing this before, how Comic-Con is somewhat of a deceptive name because it's no longer centred around comics that's kind of going out. Is there a resentment from the people organising the comic stalls toward the video games and the Not other forms all. of media? Not in no? Australia. In Australia, it's very difficult. We don't have the luxury of having the majority of the comics community living in our country. In the US... It's not a problem. You can have an event in New Jersey, you can have an event in LA, you can have an event in Seattle, and there is already 40 or 50 um, well-published, well-known artists and writers and creators that are readily to be drawn upon that can fly for a limited amount of money. We, unfortunately, have a small community in Australia. It's not as widely Uh, And your guests have to come a very long way. And our guests have to come a very long way. So we actually find it, it is our responsibility to promote new so we always do portfolio reviews from established editors. Uh-huh. Um, we have a massive artist alley. We have the largest Australian lineup of Australian local talent. Well, that's that's, that's great, Carissa. We're going to have to leave it there because we're running out of time. Not uh, a problem. It's on this weekend. Yes, it is. It's um, in the Royal Exhibition Building. At the Royal Exhibition Building. I've put a link to it on the Rainbow Report blog page, so we'll be able to get through to your website from there. And uh, good luck with it all. Thank you so much. We're looking forward and, to... And watch out for Todd high-fiving everybody <laughs> in sight. That was uh, Carissa Avonhouse there. I never did find out how to say her name. I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> one of the organisers of Oz Comic Con. As I said, you can Google Oz Comic Con and go to the Rainbow Reporter page on the Joy website. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.